Hi, I'm Brandon Briscoe, and welcome to another episode of The Postscript, Living Faith Bible Institute's weekly podcast and YouTube series devoted to interviewing pastors and professors from LFBI and across the Living Faith Fellowship. And every week, we're coming together having conversations with pastors about theology, about um, doctrine ministry, um, missions, um, church history. Just It runs the gamut. We talk about all kinds of stuff on this show. And many of you know that the Living Faith Fellowship of Churches, which is associated with LFBI, has several different conferences throughout the year that cover many different topics. Um, Mission Focus, which is actually going on right now as we're filming this. Uh, but then later in March, uh, we have the Discipleship Conference, which is what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, we have the Certainty Conference, which is a doctrinal conference where we address doctrinal topics and, and theology. We also have the All Church Retreat, which is a, a time of fellowship with the churches in our fellowship. And then uh, finally, we have the Wedstrong Conference that comes at the end of the year. That's our annual marriage conference. And so these are all a really big deal to us. And as I mentioned, the Discipleship Conference is the next one on the horizon. And uh, it's a big deal. Discipleship is a big deal to us and, and to the churches that 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 are associated with this fellowship. And it's something that we talk about constantly. And so it's a critical conference that we do uh, together. Now that conference is hosted in Cartersville, Georgia uh, at the Oakland Heights Baptist Church. And so today I have the privilege of interviewing James DeCoker, the pastor there at that church. And we're going to be discussing uh, discipleship and the conference. And so with that, I wanna welcome Pastor James DeCoker. Thanks. Man, it's good to have you here, dude. It's good to be here. I've benefited a lot from the show and always uh, getting some encouragement. And uh, so I love listening in. Now I get to be on the other side of it. Man, praise God. Yeah. So uh, you're here. We're recording this at Mission Focus. Mm -hmm. um, how's it been so far? Oh, it's been great. Like for me and where our church is and ways that I think God wants us to grow, um, maybe not in ways I anticipated, but God's just even in the last day has just given me what what we need to do, steps we need to take, focuses that we need to have yeah. uh, for the goals that we have. So it's been great. And I love, obviously, just fellowship. Uh, yeah. People who believe the same thing, have the same heart, same mission. Uh, it's it's just great being here. Yeah, the, the conferences are just wonderful for that. Mm -hmm. It's like a shot in the arm. And, yeah. And uh, it just motivates you to, to keep going. Mm -hmm. So um, now, uh, because it's your first time on the show, I, I like for the audience to get to know you know, the guests and, and, and hear a little bit about their testimony, about their story. So maybe you can tell us your faith story and, and how you came to know Christ and, and what your early life was like. Just fill us in. Yeah, I was, uh, I was raised by Christian parents and they genuinely love the Lord. And um, I'm thankful for that. And kind of, so I had what we call like a drug problem that I was drugged to church every Sunday <laughs> and Wednesday all the time. Uh, and uh, I'm very thankful for that. And so anyway, I, from a, early age, you know, had always uh, believed that God existed and, um, you know, heard the stories of Jesus, didn't have any problem with that at all. When I was little, uh, I went to a, uh, a vacation Bible school and mm -hmm. uh, my sister had gotten saved the day before. And I thought, well, that's what you're supposed to do, right? right. But really had no conscious uh, understanding of what that mm -hmm. was about. It was just kind of what I was supposed to do, I felt like. Mm -hmm. um, but I wrestled with that for a long time, for uh, actually a couple of years, you know, 11 and 12, mm -hmm. really knowing I was lost. And yeah. um, Jeff Bartell was our youth pastor. Uh, oh, wow. Back in the, or he wasn't the youth pastor, he was the middle school teacher. So this was at which church were you at? Decatur Baptist. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. 
And so uh, Joe McCaig was the youth pastor and Jeff Bartell was the middle school teacher when I was in middle school. That's cool. And uh, I remember uh, him teaching and I just knew I was lost. And uh, it, that week I went home and I had a Bible, had memorized verses from uh, children's ministry and Awana mm -hmm. and things like that. And I'd turned to Romans 10 and I knew verses nine and 10. And I just prayed him to the Lord and said, and I, I know I'm lost and I believe you. Jesus came and died for me and rose again and I need you to save me. Yeah. And so that was uh, my salvation. Uh, I was kind of just by myself in my house. And that's uh, cool. But lots of people had influence in that, obviously, mm. planting and watering that seed. And I stayed in that church, Decatur Baptist. Um, as I got into high school, I really started wanting to be serious about growing and uh, walking with the Lord. And um, so I was discipled through a similar process of discipleship that we have now. Mm -hmm. and, 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 and while you're in high school? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And there's probably some issues there with, with my own emotional maturity and oh, things sure. like that that uh, were limitations to how, how much spiritual maturity I got. Sure. But man, dude, discipleship is discipleship. Yeah. So it's good. You got invested in. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. And it, so that's where it kind of, I grew from there. I went through there. They had an institute. And so I went through their training and uh, served in their student ministry, led the high school ministry, uh, and then went on to be a youth pastor in Cartersville uh, mm -hmm. under Joe McCaig. Yeah. And so uh, he's kind of been my mentor uh, for 25 years. That's that's weird to think someone could be your mentor for that long. Right. But I'm old now. so He's a good mentor to have. He is. I, I'm very thankful for him. So like, I think a lot of the listeners or people who are familiar with the fellowship or LFBI know Joe McCaig. Mm -hmm. In fact, he'll be, he'll be teaching a course in LFBI next semester. I don't know if you knew that. So that's pretty exciting. That would be great. Yeah. But, uh, you know, he moved from Decatur to Oakland Heights. And what year was that? 2004, I think. And, and were you with him in that, that move? So no. So I, when did you when did you make your way out there with him? It was like almost a year later. Okay. Um, I, I knew when, when God moved him to Cartersville, uh, God just started showing me in my reading that he doesn't send out one person. He sends them in twos. And, mm -hmm. and uh, so I knew God wanted me to go there. I was planning to go just, I was a, in software development. So I was going to go get a job, hopefully with my same company and, and work there. And God just opened the door for me to, to come as a youth pastor. Mm. This is, so he came in 2004 and then in 2005. Cool. Uh, I came over as youth pastor. And you've got a, were you married at the time or as? Yes. I, okay. I met my wife in, uh, at Decatur Baptist. She came to, um, the college ministry about a year or two after I graduated, uh, from high school. Mm. And, uh, so that's where we met and fell in love and got married. So we had been married, uh, maybe three or four years before we moved to Cartersville. Okay. So your time at Oakland Heights is obviously is a lot like um, maybe jo Joe's relationship with Decatur even, mm. right? Like there's been a lot of movement and, and and God's led you many different directions over the last few years. Maybe you can explain to us just your time working with the youth and then God calling you to the head pastor and to where you are today. Maybe connect all those dots for us just to show what God's done. Yeah. So I, when I came over in 2005 as the youth pastor, I uh, served there for about seven years, and uh, then the church there uh, sent me out to plant a church and a small team from our mm -hmm. uh, from that church. And so uh, we planted Connect Church, and I was there for about six years. And then uh, when Joe moved back to Decatur, mm -hmm. uh, Oakland Heights called me back to be the uh, the lead pastor. And you've been doing that for how long now? Three like, years now. Three years. Yeah. Okay. So what's that been like? What's that transition back to Oakland Heights been like? And and Obviously, when you step into your mentor's shoes, mm. 
right? Those are big, in your mind, those are big shoes to fill. Yeah. What are some of the, the hurdles in your mind that you had to get oh, over man. as you were doing that? You know, I think there were a few fears that I had. Uh, one, of the, one of the most prominent was um, that I'm not Joe McCaig. Yeah. And if you know Joe, he's just such a, a nice guy. He could, mm -hmm. he could talk to anybody for a long time and uh, he, he can strike up conversations with strangers and things like that. Yeah. And uh, although in our DNA and our beliefs and our philosophy and ministry, uh, I'm his son in the faith. He's right. my father in the faith. Right. The DNA is the same. Uh, but the personalities are a little bit different, as they frequently are in Scripture, whether that's uh, Elijah and Elisha or David and Solomon or whoever it may be, Paul and Timothy. It seems like uh, God has one person for one point in time, and the next person yeah. may be a different um, set of uh, personality, spiritual gifts, and, and abilities than the first. Mm -hmm. um, so. I'm deeply grateful for for Joe, but I was a little afraid stepping into those shoes. Sure. And Joe um, had he did a lot, and his capacity was gr much greater than mine. So at Oakland Heights, he did uh, he he ran a whole lot of things, and I knew I had limitations that wouldn't allow me to do that. So that was one of my fears. So in that, that's a really interesting point because you know we talk about leadership a lot on this show pastors in general tend to have a high capacity you know mm. you get that uh, you generally like stereotypically yeah a pastor is kind of an alpha guy mm -hmm. and they would like to work hard and then they you know they're organizational and they're or, or not but they're just doing their amped mm -hmm. people um but that's not always good for the growth this direction and so learning how to delegate is such a big mm. deal what's learning how to delegate look like for you since being back at Oakland Heights and, and making sure that every, all those responsibilities that Joe had before you, that he kind of owned, mm. th those things still got done, but but you spread the load a little bit. One of the ways that I think really helped me was in the, uh, in that leading up to that transition, uh, Joe had really done a lot to um, entrust those responsibilities to other people so mm -hmm. they wouldn't all be on me. Oh, good. And I think um, whether it's about those kind of things uh, with responsibilities and tasks, or um, if it's just spiritually preparing people, uh, I'm I'm very thankful that Joe kind of laid a lot of the groundwork for how the church needed to view a pastor and and interact with. So uh, there was some delegating to do, but really there there was a lot of uh, team uh, already had started to pick up those pieces, and and they do great with it. Yeah, you know, God made all the different parts of the body, and um, you know, I'm one part. But right. there are certain things, you know, an ear can do well, but there's a lot of things it can't do well. Right, yeah. So. Well, you, your team is, you know, in terms of the churches um, and getting to know the churches, man, I, your team is special. I mean, mm -hmm. you got a lot of really great leaders with you, very loyal, very devoted, but but they love the book and they yeah. they love Christ. So with that, I want to ask a little bit of just about like, what would someone, you know, I want people to be familiar with Oakland Heights because ultimately I'm, I want to convince people to come visit Oakland Heights to come hang out at the discipleship conference. That's, yeah, that's where awesome. we're headed. Yeah, yeah it's going to be great. But if someone wasn't familiar with their your church and, and maybe they just, they just landed in Cartersville and they spent a month with you, mm -hmm. what would they expect? What would they see? Like if you were to describe your church family mm -hmm. and maybe this is hard to do like, uh, objectively, you know, because everybody's yeah. a little bit biased. Yeah. But but how would you describe your church family? Uh, well, it's kind of like d describing your own like human family. Yeah. You just love them, and sure. uh, you know, I'm sure we have our own quirks and things that we that are unique about us. But yeah, uh, I I hope that somebody would see that that we just really love Jesus and mm. are committed to following Him and being who He wants us to be. 
And um, I think if, so not to be cliche, but our mission statement uh, for our church comes from John 17, mm-hmm. uh, where Jesus is praying for his disciples. And, and it's kind of, so it's a kind of discipleship oriented prayer. Yeah. And he, we would break that down with three main parts of know uh, God, grow in your faith, and go into his mission. Mm-hmm. So know, grow, and go. Mm-hmm. And so I really hope that somebody would find a place where they could really know God. And my experience is there's a lot of people in my area who, think that they should be able to know God, but they've never really had that uh, personal walk themselves. Um, So I want them to know that they can really know God. They can hear from his word. They can speak to him in prayer and he hears their prayers and they Mm -hmm. can know his personality. Um, And then I would want them to know that they can grow in their faith and and then that God has a purpose for them and that he wants to use them. Um, And God has kind of proven that out over the years with, um, you know, I'm an example of discipleship, I'm a product of discipleship. Yeah. And he's taken somebody who's, you know, I, I'm just a normal person. And then he just chooses to use me for his glory. And mm-hmm. that's just a, such an awesome thing. It's and amazing. I hope everybody finds that. Oh, man. And there's so many people in our world that are just wandering around aimlessly and they have no idea what they're missing out on mm. um, in terms of the adventure and excitement that comes with knowing Christ and, and growing in him. Now, I, I would say, objectively as someone who's been to your church yeah that's better you got like the the outsiders view, yeah right? yeah and, and you know I, i'm not super familiar i'm still growing in my knowledge of, of your church family but man the hospitality mm. was phenomenal and the way that that people treated me as a guest in, in your church um is great and so mm. we want that to be the case everybody yeah. wants to have a a friendly church and yeah so it's good and i think that. i gained like five or six pounds you know, it's just a matter of a few days. One thing we have really well is we have like a, a food team. Yeah. And several of them are like professional chefs. And so, man, they just. It's like we a well-oiled machine, it's too. Fantastic. It's like the, there's food everywhere. There's a <laughs> surplus. It was really good. You mentioned, so you guys are in the South and you mentioned mm-hmm. something I want to hit on because I don't think I've ever talked about it with any of the other pastors from the South before is this idea that, and I think it's true here in the Midwest. I think it's true in a lot of places is this idea that people are convinced of their um, favor with God, right? That they're convinced of their own salvation, mm. um, but then they actually have never had a moment of repentance or explain that phenomenon in terms of the, the stereotypical Bible Belt scenario where someone is, believes that they're saved, but, but doesn't really know Christ. Yeah, I, maybe that comes from a few different uh, areas, but... Um, sometimes it comes from somebody who they've gone to church and mm. they know the stories about Jesus and, and they would say, I, yeah, those are true. I, I think those are true. And they would respect the church and they think it's a good thing. Um, but like, as you said, you know, that they haven't had a moment of repentance and salvation. Mm-hmm. And, uh, lots of times when I talk to people like that, I talk to them about, uh, Nicodemus in John chapter three, who's mm. a good person. He's sincere. He comes to Jesus. He believes in God. He actually believes Jesus is from God. Um, but Jesus just says, you must be born again. Yeah. And so um, that disconnect between being religious and knowing religious information and having a relationship with Christ uh, is different. It may also come from in our neck of the woods, as they call it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in, in our area, there's a... Um, sometimes an emphasis in some churches about a, an emotional experience that mm. when someone comes down to an altar and they cry and they and they experience something um, and they would say, well, I got saved. But yeah. actually having the gospel as the substance of their faith and saying, I, I believed in Christ's death and resurrection that atoned for my sin and he mm-hmm. rose from the 
grave to give me life. They wouldn't have that. Yeah. And so uh, some of it may come from that kind of emotional um, emphasis and religion. Yeah, and pressure to pray a prayer or yeah, whatever. I, you know, Sam always talks about it in terms of in- inoculation to the true gospel. It's mm-hmm. like someone along the way convinced you that, that you, you know, you had a spiritual experience and that that was salvation. And and I think a lot, I think a lot of people, a lot of churches, a lot of ministers of the gospel deal with people like this. But mm-hmm. every time I come to the South, it's like it, the guys are saying the same thing. It's like we're sharing the gospel, but it's always this hurdle because people say, no, I'm, I'm saved. I'm good. They know the term. Mm-hmm. They know the phraseology to kind of appease other Christians around them and, right. avo- and avoid actually confronting the, the issue. Yeah. So that's pretty, t- that's tough. That's a tough thing to deal with. Yeah, you have to get people lost before you can get them saved. Uh, and so there's oftentimes that's the first step in it. And mm-hmm. um, and it, exposing the fact that your religion or, you know, just having a grandfather who is a preacher or something right, like that right. is not something that has set you into salvation or right. anything like that. So we mentioned this earlier in the show, but you're, this is a big deal. I mean, you guys are, do the discipleship conference. Our fellowship does several conferences throughout the year, but the discipleship conference is a big deal because it's a a critical aspect of the identity of our fellowship. In fact, Mm. you know, we, a lot of fellowships or church organizations would say, oh yeah, missions. Um, Oh yeah, theology, that's fun. But very few people are actually intentionally talking about discipleship and a philosophy of discipleship. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a popular term. It's a cultural term in the church now, but actually how to disciple is kind of lost upon the church, which is why I think your event is such a big deal could you maybe just explain to us what the discipleship conference is about and and what you're trying to achieve through discipleship conference? Yeah, I think you know much like uh, lost people in the South that uh, know the vocabulary mm-hmm. and oftentimes with in the church world we share the same vocabulary as they say, but we have a different dictionary. Right. And so uh, people talk about discipleship, but, but what is it really? And having a not just a philosophy of a clear plan to take someone from being lost or even from being a babe in Christ to a fully mature and devoted follower of Christ. Yeah. Um, there's not anything in place for that. And um, there's not really a, especially beyond having a philosophy of discipleship, having a biblical philosophy yes. of discipleship right. that says from scripture, this is what the Bible says about spiritual growth. Mm-hmm. And so now we're going to wrap uh, some mechanisms around that yeah. um, is is truly rare. And and I love it because as I said before, I'm, I'm a product of discipleship. Right. Yeah, me too. And I've been blessed by it. I grew up that being saved in a church that was, uh, was all about it. And so uh, it's it's really what I know about ministry, yeah. and it's kind of strange for me to think about people who are going through, um, you know, week after week Sunday and programs and things like that, but but not having real discipleship. Mm-hmm. Uh, so our hope in the discipleship conference, you know, a lot of it is just for us as a fellowship to encourage each other and to uh, help us to ever learn and grow, just like we do in marriage or parenting. Yeah to keep us focused on what does the Bible say about making disciples right. and training people. Um, and then also we we want to invite people who don't have a discipleship background and they're interested in this for their church. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we do have a, an entire track 
in the morning sessions. It's called the foundations track to introduce people to uh, the biblical philosophy yeah. and and methods of yeah. making disciples. Yeah, and I, I want to get into that because I do think that that's critical. Um, but there are a lot of people that are they listen to this uh they maybe they listen to theology roundtable mm -hmm. maybe they have seen the fellowship website or things on facebook and and they hear us talking about discipleship but again you and i grew up in it we don't we don't know any different we just assume that everybody right should have discipleship and everybody does have discipleship and i think sometimes we even talk about it and we fail to actually define what we mean mm -hmm. when we say discipleship. And so before I get too far into what the conference is going to be about, I want to make sure that to ask you uh, to, in your own words, explain what discipleship means and what the process looks like and why we hold to the process that we hold to in terms of the mentorship aspect mm. of discipleship. So it's not a Sunday school class. It's not a, you know, it's not a, a program that you do on Sunday nights. That's fun. And like, there's a, something particular that we're doing for a reason. And maybe you can explain that. Yeah. Um, well, I'll try. You know, okay. I, I think the idea of discipleship is um, it comes from the root of disciple. Mm -hmm. And so for me, when I think about discipleship, my mind always goes back to Jesus with his disciples. Yeah. And he set a pattern for uh, these men who were ignorant men. They were unlearned, whether they were taxpayer uh, tax collectors or fishermen, uh, they they were matured in their faith and walked with Jesus yeah. and 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 saw how he did ministry, learned who he was. And then through a process of time, and I believe a, um, a clear uh, process of development, Jesus prepared them to then, when he departed, to entrust them with the entire ministry yeah. and to send them into the, into the ed edges of the earth. Yeah. Uh, and, and with that same goal, to make disciples. Mm -hmm. And so uh, that's what I think about in discipleship. And it looks uh, on the individual basis for a, a person, very similar to um, spiritual, uh, it's like a spiritual parenting, yeah. um, especially in those early years. Um, you've The Bible lays out uh, different stages of spiritual growth, um, beginning with baby mm -hmm. to uh, a little children and a child and a young man, then a father and an elder and an right. aged. And so we can track the the progression of a physical life, and we can learn lessons about spiritual growth and maturity. Right, they mirror each other. Yeah, yeah. and so we have uh, parents who grow us through, especially through those early uh, phases and stages. And mm -hmm. so uh, that's the way it looks on an individual basis. You're basically helping someone to grow from being a baby who's been born again, but but needs to grow. Mm -hmm. And then the the role of the parent changes through time. You know, yeah. from being somebody who's doing everything for you to somebody who's teaching you, but you're doing some for yourself to somebody who's kind of coaching you and advising you as, yeah. as you're doing things on your own. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of how the way as it's played out in my life uh, early on, I needed somebody to really take God's word and I'm, I'm reading it, but I don't understand. Yeah. And so um, for someone to break it down for me and explain, this is what you read. Now, what do we learn about God from that? And you know, how can you obey this? What mm -hmm. does God want you to do? with this information and and praying with them teaching me how to pray and then you know through time that role changes and what i need i begin to be able to feed myself from god's word and be able to pray on my own but i need somebody to model for me 
what it's like to function and behave as a Christian right. and how to minister. And so it changes through time, uh, but it's basically taking people through that process to grow mm -hmm. them up mm -hmm. to maturity. Yeah. And, and so the way we, most of our churches, it's going to look a little different from church to church, but most of us hold to this idea that um, when someone commits themselves, they drop their net, they commit themselves to being a disciple of, of Christ, that's a decision, that's a big deal. Mm -hmm. And we take it seriously. And so we pair them with someone that we think is responsible enough and would be a good fit for them. And then that person is responsible for mentoring that new young disciple for, it could be anywhere between nine months, uh, a, a year, or, or maybe even longer in some cases. I don't know how long you guys are... The, the, parameters you guys set right. uh, on it but but that time is critical and there's a lot of hand holding in the beginning and, and there's there's doctrinal content that's being covered and people are learning the the basics the foundations of their faith so that they can speak about it eloquently mm -hmm. and then there comes a point where there's kind of a lot slow slow launch out into into more teaching and more decision making and, and people get to to go into ministry liberated because they've been equipped yeah yeah. And so when we go to the discipleship conference, um, the foundations track is a way of onboarding people who maybe don't have discipleship or even a proper philosophy of discipleship. Maybe they've mm -hmm. tried, they tried things like that. Mm -hmm. Oh, we tried that. That was hard work or whatever. What would you want that foundations track at the at the conference to achieve in the life of a person who's maybe unfamiliar with discipleship? Uh, for those, I hope that it shows like a scriptural basis of that God, one that God has called us to make disciples, as you said, it was critical for our uh, fellowship. Mm -hmm. It's also critical critical for all Christians. It's, yeah. It kind of forms a link between who we're who we are and what we're called to do. Mm -hmm. And so, um, it's we believe is very important. I hope they see, hey, the Bible commands us to do this, and like He always does, He gives us a pattern and instructions on how to fulfill that command. Yeah, yeah. And so. Um, and then walking through that process of growth and then uh, sharing what our goals are uh, that are derived from scripture mm -hmm. and uh, some tools that we have, the lessons that we use are just yep. tools, but man, tools are really helpful yeah. when you're trying to do a job. Yeah. And so uh, introducing them to that. And so there's certainly people who may not, may not be familiar at all with that. Uh, they think of discipleship as a Sunday school or, um, you know, training somebody in the parking lot, how to park cars and, um, so to show them what the Bible says about discipleship, yeah, I, that's what I hope they get out of it. And then we'll have other people who, you know, they're, they're part of one of our churches and they believe about discipleship, but their understanding of the, the philosophy of it and right. the stages of growth and the goals of it are going to be helped a whole lot, yeah. especially before they begin trying to mentor somebody else. Yeah. 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 Like, I think that's a really good point too, because there are individuals who are part of churches where the philosophy is right, but they need to be refreshed, they're rusty on what the objectives are and what mm -hmm. to expect in a discipleship relationship. And that foundations track really does help people and prepare them for their own personal philosophy or strategy for discipleship too. Mm -hmm. um, now, you and I have talked a little bit about the the bent of this year's conference. Like we're, we're you know, in 2022, in, in March, we haven't mentioned this yet, March, 20th through the 23rd that's right is the dates you're hoping that there'll be more of a focus on evangelism and i want you to maybe explain that and the how coupled evangelism and discipleship ought to be mm -hmm. uh, in terms of our walk with the lord and the expectations of ministry 
yeah, sometimes there becomes an unhealthy split in churches between those two, mm-hmm. uh, evangelism and discipleship. And sometimes you see it on one side where we're reaching people and reaching people, but we never grow them up. And so they stay babies and maybe yeah. they just live defeated Christian lives. And yeah. um, on the other hand, you might find churches who um, have a good process to help mentor young Christians, help them to grow in their faith. And, um, but then it doesn't result in evangelism. Mm. Uh, they grow in knowledge, but, and maybe in holiness and maybe some other factors of growth. Yeah. But when Jesus calls the disciples, particularly in, in uh, Matthew 4, he calls them and says, follow me and I'll make you to become fishers of men. Yeah. And if, if we're not fishing for men, then we haven't really met the objectives of really being a disciple of Christ. Yeah. If we're going to do what Christ did, he, he reached people and then he developed them and grew them. And so both of those are integral to who God's called us to mm-hmm. be and, and what he's called us to do. Um, and so that, that is uh, evangelism for me and my church and probably for most of us in the fellowship. We have a, the, the knowledge of the a biblical process of growth and a philosophy for discipleship. Um, but then sometimes evangelism is the, the victim of that as we yeah. grow people in their knowledge and we achieve doctrinal transmission and they, they understand more but they don't really become evangelistic. Yeah. And evangelism should be the product of discipleship. Yeah, yeah I like It should that. also be uh, the beginning of it as well. And unfortunately, like in some our churches, oftentimes people are coming to church that um, as we're kind of uh, foster, putting them with foster parents instead mm-hmm. of with a uh, biological parent, if you will, yeah, right. who spiritually helps them to be born again. Yeah. Um, and so they're kind of waiting for someone to win somebody to Christ and they can foster them. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the show. We're going to pause right here for just a second so we can hear from one of our students from the Living Faith Bible Institute. Hi, my name is Andy Cardona, and I gave my life to the Lord three years ago, and I didn't know how to follow the Lord, and I was, by the grace of God, plugged in at Midtown Baptist Temple and started doing discipleship, and for the first time, I learned how I can have a relationship with God. and. And, and the importance of knowing His Word. And every time I would read it, I just wanted to know it more and more. Each class that I take is not something that I will never ever use. It's something that I, as soon as I, le- I leave the room or I leave the video chat, I'm able to actually put into practice. It's so much fun to learn the, the Word of God. Uh, and I'm so grateful that LFBI was able to provide that environment for me, that culture of, of loving the Word of God and learning the Word of God. but doing and applying the Word of God so we are able to have an answer for the lost people. Visit lfbi.org to learn more about Living Faith Bible Institute. Yeah, that's a really good point. And that's something that the pastors here at Midtown Baptist Temple also struggle with because you'll hear people that, I, I want a disciple. I, I'm, I'm ready. I keep seeing you pairing people with other people. And then the response is, well, that that person won that person to Christ. Mm-hmm. And so the the pairings that we're making are natural because it's it's f- fruit producing fruit. And if maybe if you want to disciple, if you want to invest in someone, if you're Hannah and you're longing for a child in the faith, mm-hmm. um, then perhaps you should be praying to the Lord and then actively going out and 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 meeting the lost that you might win your future future disciple to Christ. Like right. like that that's it a very biblical objective. Mm-hmm. And I think we miss that a lot of times. So I'm really thankful for you mentioning that. Well, fostering is a beautiful thing. Yeah. And uh, I'm, I actually was uh, fostered as a disciple. The, the man who discipled me didn't lead me to the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
I'm, I mean, I'm thankful for that. Yeah. Uh, but the most natural way of parenting is to, to bury your own kids. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, we hope that people will be open to both to be able to foster when needed, but also to take part in the glory and the joy of bringing someone to faith and then growing them up and, and seeing that reproduced through generations. Mm -hmm. Some of the disconnect that we may experience are, you know, just maybe just because of my personal experience and my background, I've, I was uh, fostered, and so maybe I'm, and spiritually speaking anyway, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. maybe I'm waiting. That's my natural way of looking at things, mm -hmm. whereas someone who was led to the Lord and then discipled may be more likely to to follow suit naturally. Sure. Yeah, that's a really good point. But you're right. I mean, I think the byproduct, like I think as disciplers, we need to um, uh, holistically recognize that discipleship has been effective, right? We, we've, we have been successful in our investment when we see those that we've invested in evangelizing, mm. right? Because that is, that's part of the Great Commission, right? Yeah. Like that sits at the center of, of, of our, our Great Commission is going and winning the lost. And so you know that there's success and, and, uh, and a perpetual success when you've led someone to Christ, they've been discipled, and now they're leading people to Christ. Mm -hmm. That is that is a pattern worth following, right? And so I think there's a lot of power to that. So, what in what ways do you want? Are you hoping that we'll address that issue at the discipleship conference? Well, I, I'm hoping as we open God's Word and just are reminded uh, of God's call for us to to reach people with the gospel and to be evangelistic in our relationships and in our contacts that we meet, even casually. Mm -hmm. um, that that's going to motivate us but also we're going to offer some training in the morning sessions uh to see how you can mobilize church members and for church members to know how how do i do this yeah you know uh it's a pretty intimidating thing if, if you're not used to evangelism mm -hmm. and even if you are it's a little bit intimidating sure. to begin a gospel conversation with someone and so uh, i'm really looking forward to that i, I think that's an area for growth for our church yeah and um i'm hoping that god will really use it to to give us confidence that the the gospel is the power of God into salvation. Mm -hmm. And if I can reach, be friends with somebody and build a relationship and then share the gospel with them, he'll give the increase. Yeah. There's something you mentioned that I think is, is worth noting is that a lot of times, um, you know, we're supposed to be building these relationships with the lost, right? We're supposed to be a light to a dark world. And that means we have to go, right? That's, mm -hmm. that's part of it. We, we, we go. But the, but the problem about being, uh, a Christian in a Laodicean time frame is that is that we often program ourselves out of relationship building, mm -hmm. and so we do the Sunday morning thing, and we do the Sunday night thing, and we do the Wednesday thing, and we've got a Bible study, and we do I'm, I'm discipling someone on Thursday nights, and you know Saturday nights is for my family, and then we look at our lives and we say, where is the opportunity to even meet lost people mm -hmm. like? And I think it is a problem. It's something that is worth addressing in all of our churches and all of our personal lives is how do I steward the time that God's given me? Part of that responsibility is to go and find people that are different than me, mm -hmm. um, spiritually different than me, mm -hmm. you know, and, and we need to find and seek and save the lost, right? That's, right. that's the objective. Well, you know, when Paul talks about um, in 2 Corinthians, he, he starts talking about his... Um, his work, how he became to the Jew, he became a Jew. And mm -hmm. he's talking about, he does all this stuff for the gospel's sake, yeah. being like people who are different and be building a connection with them. So for the gospel's sake. Uh, and then he goes on talking about this race that he's running and how he has to, you know, be temperate. 
Mm-hmm. And temperance just requires us to, temperance is a process of making something stronger by taking some things out and adding right. some things to it. Yeah. And I think that applies to our schedule as well. We can schedule our lives uh, so compacted with different activities uh, that take us away from uh, the Great Commission, that take mm-hmm. us away from meeting lost people and just hanging with them. And I, man, I'm guilty. Pastors, yeah. oh, our yeah, schedules the worst are all the time. Yeah. You know, so. We're busy counseling and we fit, we seem to fit people and church activity into every nook and cranny of our life. And so oftentimes we're the worst example of, of how that should work. Right. So it it's it's going to be good for me. It's not just something that, you know, for my church, I want you guys oh, to learn sure. this. I, I need this. Yeah. And so, yeah. and I think that's part of the, the issue for churches is it starts at the top. People reproduce what they're seeing in their yes. leaders. Yeah, absolutely. And so it, it's good. It's And that's the, I, I like that too, because the discipleship conference, when I've been, it's like our other conferences, there are people from every level of spiritual development and you've got pastors that are figuring it out and you've got mm. pastors that have been pastoring for 30 years and but that you also have brand new believers you've got people who are in the midst of discipleship they're being discipled and they're going to get encouraged so you've got everybody in between and it's really a good place for everybody to get something that they need mm. you mentioned the breakout sessions in the morning maybe you can talk about um that a little bit more we talked about the foundations track uh maybe the talk about who and and what they'll be teaching on in those morning tracks yeah, I can't recall the uh, the entirety of this, the uh, teachers and schedule, okay, yeah, but yeah. Uh, we'll Ra- publish that. Randy stuff. Copeland, yeah, it'll be on the discipleconf.com. Yeah. Uh, Randy Copeland, pastor in Moulton, Alabama. Uh, Jay Shug in Huntsville, Alabama. Uh, a couple of guys from our church. Uh, Thomas Harding mm-hmm. is our students pastor, and Michael Long is our outreach pastor. Yeah. They'll be involved in teaching the uh, that foundations track, and then we have a, another track that's the alumni track. And it has, we're going to do uh, three sessions on um, evangelism training to really help churches know how to mobilize members and help members know how, how to really become evangelistic. So yeah. we want to be challenged with it in the evening sessions, but in the morning sessions, get some good training on how to do it. Um, and then we'll have, uh, you're going to be teaching three sessions for us on pervasive discipleship, which yeah. I'm really excited about too. Yeah, that'll be fun and a blessing. And and so I, I I want to invite people to be a part of that again, Certainly. March 20th through the 23rd. You can learn more about it at discipleconf.com, um, but then also at lffellowship.com and, and even at lfbi.com. We've got, we've got links to, to all that. So it's, it's everywhere. Yeah. So, you know, I want to end more with, with just talking to, to leaders and talking about um, a little bit more about discipleship itself. There's some things that we should all understand about discipleship as it as it term in, in terms of the cost of discipleship right um and uh, you know we're going to be there's going to be people listening who have never been discipled before and we've talked kind of to the leaders and to the pastors in this episode but maybe talk a little bit about the people who are considering what what does that actually mean for my life i mean i'm a part of a church um you know they may or may not even have <laughs> discipleship mm-hmm. which is a thing you know um, but they're asking themselves, I need someone, it could be this simple. I need someone to invest in me. I know I need to go deeper, right? Mm-hmm. I know that what I have, I love the Lord. I, I know that what I have is wonderful, but what does it mean for me to grow in my capacity, my leadership, my knowledge of God, um, my intimacy with him? What does that mean? How would you address that person who's looking for that kind of thing? Mm. Um, well, I do think that people uh, having a person is important. Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. Mm-hmm. And so 
Um, it would you would have a lot of holes in your development if you're just going to try and hammer it out yourself and learn all you can on your own. Uh, discipleship is um, there's a disciple and there's a teacher or a master, and so yeah. you need somebody to follow yeah. to watch. And so much of our own our physical development, mental and emotional development comes from watching our parents. And so watching your disciple deal with the trials of his life or watching him uh, in prayer or watching him in Bible reading and his relationships, that's going to inform how you're to be as a Christian. You need somebody like that. Um, on, on the other hand, uh, you know, there's a lot of people who grow up and their um, human parents or physical parents aren't uh, great parents, yeah. uh, but God has grace for them. And so uh, maybe that you know the parent you have isn't perfect, uh, but God can fill in the gaps on that. Yeah. Um, and so you, there may be more learning you need to do on your own to be able to try to um, learn from other people and be intentional about having you know kind of an uh, an adopted father or figure yeah. in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, but learn learn all you can, and uh, there's a, there's an element to the spiritual growth that no one else can do for you, even having the right discipler. Right. Is not going to make it in your life. You know, the second second Peter one passage that we mm-hmm. reference so often says, add to your faith, uh, you know, virtue and yeah. to virtue. Not it's your you have to add to it. Yeah. Uh, it's nothing that your disciple maker can do for you. Yeah. So yeah, that's that, really good. They'll have to take a lot of initiative anyway on their own. But if you don't have that person already in your life, I'd look for somebody who can who can be a mentor to you. Yeah. We need someone to invest in us. And I think a lot of times People are in churches and they're like, well, you know, we don't have discipleship. What you're describing, it's not like what I've experienced. Mm. Well, maybe it just requires you looking a little bit harder for a person who's willing to invest in you and to befriend you and to, to parent you. Yeah, I've, I know people who have, um, before they knew about discipleship, they later I'd come in contact with them, but they just went to somebody who looked like they were really living for the Lord. And they said, hey, I want to know how to live for the Lord. Would you just, you know take me under your wing yeah. and can I learn from you? Yeah. And uh, you may have to go to that person and 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 ask and request, mm-hmm. uh, but it'd be worth it for sure. You yeah. know, so much of what we enjoy in our human physical lives uh, comes from growing up. And so much of what we enjoy in our spiritual life comes from growing up. Mm-hmm. If you remain a baby all your life, you're probably going to be unsatisfied, unfulfilled yeah. uh, in your spiritual life. Yeah, yeah. Christianity as a whole... And I want to say this with great humility, but there are a lot of physically grown people who call themselves Christian, mm. but they behave as though they're children and, and spiritually. And uh, man, that's a really sad thing. And that's not how Christ intended it to be. And he wants to grow us up, you know. And so I think, you know, I think if a person's in a church um, that they can find a mentor and have someone invest in them, that's ideal. And we want to really advocate. We're big advocates of local church. And mm-hmm. so don't don't go running away from from a good thing, uh, but be intentional. In some cases, people might, might not be able to find that. In, in that case, what should they do? There's hard decisions to make there. Yeah, there there is. And if it's if it was me, I would I would look for a church. Living Faith Fellowship would be a great place because we yeah. we do share that biblical philosophy of discipleship, mm-hmm. but find somewhere um, that does emphasize that yeah. and real discipleship, not just a class or something, but somewhere where they'll put you with someone who will mentor you. Right. Um, you know, changing geographical location seems like a huge deal. Changing jobs seem seems 
significant, but it's all worth it. The disciples yeah. were willing to leave all to follow Christ. And at the heart of it, if you really want to grow and be a disciple of Jesus Christ, it'll be worth it. Yeah. And, and it'll probably be necessary for you to leave some stuff. Yeah, it's gonna cost you something mm -hmm. at some point. It might seem easy on the front end, but something, something is gonna get taken away. There'll be a sacrifice made along the way and we just have to be ready for that. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, we, again, we don't want to advocate that anybody should leave their church, but in, in, in certain instances, uh, you know, people need to be in a place where they can be invested in because their, their spiritual um, development and their eternal value really is, is sourced in whether or not they're willing to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Like it comes down to that. And uh, we've both experienced it and, and our churches, all the fellowship churches have experienced people who've packed up everything to come get the simple thing that Christ's taught. And that's just biblical mentorship in the word. Right. It's been, and it's phenomenal to watch people's lives change when they make those big decisions. Yeah. I don't have that testimony. I was, God just had grace that I was saved in a place mm -hmm. like that. But there's a lot of people in our church that uh, could testify to that and would say that that's the best decision that they've made. Yeah, yeah, no, and, and and it was a decision that I had to make when I was a kid. You know, um, I was a teenager, and my mom was kind of letting me make decisions on my own. And I was in a position where I was like, I know that God wants to do more with me. And I looked all around at the church that I'd grown up in, and I couldn't, I couldn't find it. Mm. And um, praise God, I mean, uh, He brought me to it. It was a miracle. Yeah. It, was, it was supernatural. He brought me to a place uh, where He made it easy because I knew I, He. I wasn't bright enough to find what I needed. So yeah. praise well, God for that. It's uh, as our friend Alan Shelby would say, providence has eyes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, thank God for that. Um, man, dude, I'm so thankful to have you on the show. And I I wish that we could do like other episodes. I'm, one of the things that I'm gonna secretly say, I'm gonna make this clear, is at some point I'm gonna convince James to teach in the Bible Institute. We're gonna get you for a class yeah. at some point. When you're not so busy, we'll get you for a class. But I, I, I want people to hear um, what, you, what God's given you, man. Mm -hmm. And I'm really grateful for your influence on the fellowship uh, as well as my life. And, and man, you've become really good friends. So I'm, I'm thankful for you. I, I am too. Thanks. And we want to thank you as well for joining us for another episode of The Postscript. And uh, if this conversation interested you, uh, you at all, I mean, like, if you're like, man, that sounds good. Uh, we want to invite you to Discipleship Conference. Uh, there'll be people from across our fellowship of churches, people from the Bible Institute that'll be there. Uh, there'll be worship, there'll be teaching, there'll be people hanging out late, way later than they should at night, lots of young people uh, as well as older people. And, and you'll find people that you can connect to and it'll be really, really enjoyable. Again, uh, the team at OHBC is super hospitable. So we wanna invite you to come be a part of that. You can actually uh, go to discipleconf.com or you can go to lffellowship.com and find the link to sign up. And we want to recommend that you do that uh, right away so that they can uh, get attendance of you and, and, and be prepared uh, for you coming. If uh, your heart is burdened to learn more about discipleship as a whole, uh, you can contact us at lffellowship.com. Uh, there's, a, there's a link that says, what is biblical discipleship? Click on that, read some more about it. And if you need someone to contact you uh, to discuss discipleship with you, we are more than willing. Uh, we would love to have that conversation. Whether you're a pastor uh, or just a follower of Jesus Christ in, in any local church, we want to have that conversation with you and encourage you and, and maybe help you even. Uh, but if you are a part of LFBI or you're interested in being a part of LFBI, 
this is one way of being discipled. And so uh, we want to teach you the word. We want to build you up in your faith. We want to use God's word uh, to, to make you a minister of the gospel. And so uh, come get training with us. We would love that, lfbi.org. Again, we love you. We're so grateful that you're here with us, uh, and we hope to see you again next week. God bless. Thanks for listening to The Postscript. If you enjoy the show, please leave us a rating and review in order to help other people find our podcast. If you value this show, please help us continue creating content by supporting Living Faith Bible Institute at lfbi.org support.